I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to the Four Prompts on Death podcast, where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Michael Vasquez. Michael is, ooh, let me pull it up. Michael is a one-year-old lifestyle coach, United States Marine Corps combat veteran, and philosopher. I enjoy flotation therapy regularly at Michael's home and find a kindred spirit in him. During this conversation, we discuss why he pressed people's buttons as an, as an as adolescent, how his brother's suicide drove him into the Marine Corps, and how the plant medicine ayahuasca forced him to confront his years of infidelity and begin a new chapter with his spouse. Before we talk more about Michael and this really great conversation we have together, I want to talk about my long-form Sunday's posts or on the education of a physician. These are my weekly reflections on medical education from the very first anatomy lab of medical school to now intern year of residency. And that's my baby, if you can hear him. He's a little bit grumpy waking up. So let me finish recording this so I can attend to the baby. My grandma, my, his grandma has him, so don't worry. He's not, you know, being neglected. Anyway. So on November 5th, 2019, I passed self and to future self twice again. This week, I reflected on my yearly practice of writing a letter to my past self and to my future self. Last year, I was preparing for the birth of my son, Junsu. Next year, I will be almost halfway through residency. So much change behind and ahead. On November 11th, 2019, I published On Transitions or Consult Liaison Psychiatry, a post-mortem. This week, I reflected on the end of a three-month rotation with the Consult Liaison Psychiatry Service. I've seen much in my 90 days walking the hospital. Sometimes I wonder how much and how that has changed me. And I wonder, am I becoming someone too much different, too different in the ways that I can accept? Anyway. Oh, he's getting closer. You can hear him. And so... You can find these all these reflections on Amazon if you type in physician education, or you can go to mush.kim and to find them in their full, complete uh, entirety. So you can hear, you know, grandparents tending to the baby. I hope. Maybe you can't. Maybe I'll edit out. Who knows? Anyway, uh, back to Michael. Michael is a philosopher. Before Michael dies, he wants to see the world, to see the mountain ranges, to follow the spirit within him, to enjoy life and control of his physical body. When Michael dies, he wants to die in peace, to die in understanding, and to die in the grace he has found now. After Michael dies, he wants to experience more of what he needs to experience as a soul to make his way back to the eternal consciousness from which he came. And I actually didn't grab the last little bit, he says in conclusion, but it is great. I promise you. I promise you. I will put it in the show notes, just so you have it, you know, for yourself. Anyway... This was a really great conversation. We, uh, I've known, as I said, I've known through his, so I go to his house in Orfield, Ottsville, and uh, pretty regularly, about once a month now, um, ever since I moved up here to Pennsylvania for med school about two years ago, almost two and a half years ago now. And uh, I float there regularly. He recently got a sauna there, and it's lovely, so I get to sauna and then float. I've known him and his uh, wife, Nikki, for about the same amount of time. And I met Michael um, down in Florida, and uh, we've kept in touch ever since. And he is just such an interesting guy. He, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm the weirdest person that I know. And then I also feel like, uh, you know, Michael has... In him, he, he has the same kind of sensation, like, oh, he's the weirdest person he knows, you know, and, and weird in a good way, not necessarily in a bad way. He's, you know, pursuing things in a way that is very different from the people around him and is in a very admirable way because you can tell he's pursuing uh, he's pursuing his authentic self and his authentic interests. He's not trying to be somebody else. It's, it's very, very lovely. And um, 
you know, when I sat down for this conversation, I knew we would be getting into some interesting stuff because I know how important um, his experiences with ayahuasca, the plant medicine from the Amazon rainforest, has been for him. But I didn't know how much, and I didn't know in what ways. I knew he had been a. Con I knew that he had served in the Marine Corps, um, overseas, and that that was you know. And I also knew he is a. He was at least a jujitsu practitioner, as a brown belt, which is you know if you know much about jujitsu, it's pretty high up there. It's the second highest belt you can get um, after before black, and uh, and I know. But when I met him, he was under. I I could tell that he was going undergoing a lot of change. He was. Uh, learning a lot about himself. He was he was suffering from a lot of back pain when I initially met him and uh, He was still trying to practice jiu-jitsu uh, But then you know as the years came, you know past he was Forming more and more into himself. You can hear a lot of that in this conversation um, But then when I sat down with him for this interview I learned about his brother's suicide and how that suicide at such an early age um, when he was I think 18 and his brother was 20 or something somewhere around there So he was just right out of college right out of high school um, and I can't, you know, I can't even imagine how, what the different ways that that has affected him and turned him into the man he is now. And then we go into, uh, uh, a chapter of, of his life where he, uh, describes the, you know, part of that self-destructive path of, uh, following his brother's suicide, going to the Marine Corps, going overseas, um, deployed into combat in Afghanistan and coming back and um, also having this spouse, this partner, uh, Nicole, Nikki, who has been with him the whole time, but how he was, you know, his lack of fidelity, lack of um, staying true to her uh, and how that was a huge uh, sickness within him. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about it with such openness and honesty that I, I was really in awe um, because I know these are subjects that are very hard for people to process and hard uh, to listen to uh, because it can be triggering for all of us and he is very open he's very honest he doesn't go into details because the details aren't important and I feel like he uh, you can tell that he and Nikki are in this place where their their relationship is so different from any other relationship that I know and their distance traveled is just so um, impressive. And where they are now is, you know, I was just there the other, like two days ago, uh, floating, and I went into their into their little part, into their house, and they were just both wearing these terracotta, these or these wonderful like big robes. They look so cozy, and they're just so happy, and they're they're in such a good place. And even from two years ago, I can tell how much two three years ago how much they've grown and and changed as people. Um, and so I'm really excited to both uh, present this interview with to you and as well as, you know, maybe dangle a possibility of interviewing Nikki in the near future for the 2020 season. Ooh. Anyway, so I hope you are ready for a really lovely conversation with Mike Vasquez on death. It is August 17th, 2019. I'm sitting here in Mike Vasco's uh, Ottsville, Pennsylvania home, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Uh, Mike, what are the four prompts? All right. The four prompts are I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. And how do you finish that first prompt with I am? So this one, I can just get into it, right? Get into it. All right. Um, so I am... A, uh, I would consider myself at this point in time a man. Um, I actually just recently kind of pinpointed myself. If I had this, put me in a slight box. Is that I'm I'm pretty much a philosopher, and um, I have been ever since I was a kid. 
which I'll get into in a second, but I'm also, uh, you know, I just can't stop seeking at this point. It is the most, it is the thing that drives me the farthest within my own self. Um, it comes before money. It comes before real, my relationship and my wife understands this. It comes before everything because my seeking actually is my relationship with the universe, with my truth, with light, with, with God. It's, it's the seeking should never stop. It's how I feel because it continues to drive my health, um, my relationships with everyone, and uh, my internal consciousness to higher levels. Um, so I'm really starting to see the more that we pile onto our life, the less space we have in our life to seek. So now I'm in that place in my life where I'm managing my life. I'm very careful what I add into it down to a new set of clothes or a new <laughs> pair of shoes because I'm very conscious about every little thing, whether it's the size of a pen or a new car, uh, weighs on the toll of my seeking. And um, so it's a balance at this point in my life. So I guess as a child, I always was um, a, a seeker, 100%. I never, I, ne I never understood why I was such a delinquent. <laughs> well, I mean, a total delinquent. I, um, you know, I just was a total mess. And it's because... The bullshit never made sense to me. Um, this reality, I saw through it as a child. And I, I think even as a child, I saw everybody else's crap that they were hiding and that they were living fake lives. And um, I would call everybody out on their stuff. And I got in trouble for it a lot. I uh, grew up in a, a, a Christian school. I got, I mean, I was the troublemaker kid. I was never the kid to be mean or steal or, I mean, I did, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was never like mean, but I was always pushing people's buttons. Always. I mean, I would try to get under your skin no matter what. Mm -hmm. And now I see that if you're the type of person that lets a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old get under your skin, what type of person are you? It means they're exposing some truth that you don't want to look at. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, there was this song my mom reminds me of, my mom reminded me of this uh, not that long ago. We used to always sing this song that Jesus can do all things. And um, I used to ask, you know, can Jesus lie? And they would say no. And I'm like, can Jesus, like, kill somebody? And they would say no. I'm like, well, then he can't do all things. And they would get so just bent because they didn't really know how to answer that question. And in the reality is like, if you ask me that, I'm like, of course he could. It's just like, what do you want to know? Because he's aware of the choices and the consequences of his life to a mastery ascended level of uh, who he was. Of course, he, he wouldn't do those things, but could he? Sure. I mean, he was still um, a divine consciousness and a, and a human body. And, you know, so these were the type of answers I was searching for. <laughs> I was searching for a little, a, a little precocious. Yeah. But you, you know, didn't know it. You didn't know it. I didn't know it. Yeah, but if you would have hit me with something like that, I would have shut right up and I would have went in the corner. I would have thought about it for a while, <laughs> you know. But when you just like shut you know, me down, no, yeah. you know, yeah, shut me down, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna make your life miserable for the next hour. You're teaching me this stupid course that you mm. can't even answer a eight year old a, any type of significant or intelligent question. Mm. So you know. Um, you know, I got kicked out of church and Sunday school and, you know, I got asked to leave pretty much every organization I ever was a part of. Um, so in some sort of part of me, I, I was like losing my mind at the same time because like I just couldn't fit in anywhere because nothing made sense to me. Boxes just 
didn't make sense. You know, I tried sports. Um, you know, sports kind of just were cool until like the coach got in the way and he tried to put you in his own box. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the team, you know, one, two, three team type stuff. Um, that just started, you know, never really made sense to me. And then, I, you know, growing up, um, just to delinquency, you know, that I got into the teenage years and kind of fell apart with all that because I still was just seeking for something. I didn't even know what I was seeking for. It just was like this, I had this energy inside of me that I just didn't know what to do with. Um, and then, uh, you know, I found martial arts and I found Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I... When did you start that? I started, I started fighting when I was like 17. I started boxing and a couple boxing fights. And, and uh, so that was cool. And then I just found the mat. You know, I saw everybody always doing jujitsu. I got into that. Had a couple MMA fights. That was cool. I didn't have a couple. I had like one, uh, I think, actually. I had a couple later on. No, I actually only had one. I had a couple smokers. But um, I saw a couple boxing fights and um, stuff like that. So that gave me that like that single out, that like single polarity drive within myself to kind of focus on. Um, tame myself down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went through, you know, when I was like 20 years old, I had like my brother, like my best friend, the closest person in my life, you know, he ended up taking his own life and it totally, completely displayed my reality, you know, cause I never, I never understood, like I never thought about my life having not him in it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we had, like, this really unique bond. It was really um, something very awesome. Uh, and I, I've actually only seen it in a couple other instances. And, and the well, actually, one of the weird things is I, I found it. I know two other guys who had that bond. And actually, the one guy ended up dying, too. Um, so it's kind of weird. So my home got destroyed, you know. How, old, how much older was he than you? Uh, he was one year older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just went into a tail, a tail, tailwind of just, you know, drinking and I'm glad I never fell into the heavy drugs. They never made sense to me, but alcohol definitely was, uh, my, my, like, my poison of choice, poison of choice, the whiskey man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So whiskey, uh, turned into be my buddy and it just drove me into a kind of a state of delinquency in a way, you know, I would like slam my head on tables. I would like knock myself out sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, just like some real dark stuff um, that now that, you know, I look at it and it's just like, but the, the, the funny thing was is that everyone around me, you know, we're all like having a good time and, you know, but when you look at it through a conscious lens, you know, you look at how, how sick the world really is that we would want to do that to ourselves. And, you know, cause I see, if I see somebody do that now, I just would feel their pain and they're suffering, you know, it's like, so the fact that, you know, we have to look at life through a a a very much more conscious lens than we um, kind of let ourselves look through. Everybody, you know, just goes, oh, you know, that's, you know, we don't want to go there, but we have to really start going there to make changes. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, then then my next step after that phase of my life was, uh, you know, I thought I was either pretty much going to end up in jail or I didn't know if I was going to be able to like continue life. I knew I wasn't going to take my own life because after I saw the felt the, the amount of pain that, um, 
my family and I went through. I, I never wanted to do that to anybody, but I just didn't like. I just didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you so needed a total change. I just. I mean, I just needed something. Yeah, total change. Um, so I just went and was like, what's the craziest thing I could do? Like, if I don't want to be here, I might as well just go jump or grenade for like, you know, somebody. So I signed up to go to, um, join the infantry in the Marine Corps. And, uh, that is just was a whole experience in itself. How long after your brother's death? A year. A year? Yeah. I didn't even tell my family. I just went and signed up and told him that I was leaving in a couple weeks. And you were what, 21? Yeah. I was 21. I went in when I was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then that's pretty much when I lost the drive to continue training, fighting. Cause I had a fight two weeks after my brother, um, did that. And I, the fight was, it was a great fight. I ended up winning my fight. And, um, like I, like I knew I was just going to rip that dude's face off, you know? And, um, it, there was no martial art about it. It was just like my, all this pent up energy and frustration from that event just got mm-hmm. taken out of that guy. It really had nothing to do with <laughs> like training. But then mm-hmm. after that, I kind of fell apart. I couldn't like train. Cause you're like, you won. And then you're like, what did I win? Yeah. I, nothing happened. Exactly. It was all still there. And it's a really good way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, I remember like just kind of not being able to put myself back together enough to train consistently enough for a fight. So then I just felt that's when the drinking just really hit the women, you know, just drowning myself in, you know, sexual conquest after drinking, after, you know, nuts stuff. Um, so I went and joined the Marines and that just like pretty much fed all the confusion and hostility (laughs) and aggression. Pent up uh, aggression that doesn't know how to get it out. Hundred percent. I pretty much was exactly what you know they're looking for, in terms of you know I was a physical. I, I mean, not egotistically, but I was like a stud. You know, I was like twenty one years old, twenty two. I was greatly in shape. I was everything that they wanted, um, but uh, you know, I had a crazy experience in through all that, and then they, you know they they just turn you into this pit bull and breed you to go to war to where you just like want to kill whoever shoots at you, they pretty much take your conscious lens out of your life. And you really turn into like this system of uh, not thinking about anything, just running off a pure primal instinct, brainwashing program dummy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, ex- you know, it's exactly what the military does to men and women. It's, and they're very good at it. They take all question out of your system. Um, but I still kept this part of me alive and it was kind of the part of me that saved me and that, um, made some choices that led me out of that path. Um, so I guess, and all that path has led me to the point now and, you know, two years of work with, um, ayahuasca, you know, um, has led me to a place of understanding that would I go through all of that again? Oh, and I didn't even get into the fact that, you know, I've been married since I was 20. Oh my gosh. That was 21, 22 when I got married. And through all of that and through my time in the military and then coming out of the military and dealing with the complete revamping of, you know, life again, 
you know, I was not, I don't think I was faithful to my wife for, I mean, at all, ever during that entire span because she, she, she stayed with me and pretty much held me together that entire time. But not one time did I ever think I was doing anything wrong. Um, not one time did I ever have that conscious deci decision of like, hey, I should stop doing this or this isn't right. I'm like, I'm lying. I'm, you know, my life, you know, th the consciousness of those, of my actions um, was gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really, um, it was just gone. I, I really went into a very dark, dark world and um, because I, I uh, completely was lost in the physicality of this world. I had no thought of anything beyond what was in front of me. Um, you know, I was just living barely to hold myself together every single day. And then when you do that, there's there's no thought of consequence at all because consequences actually don't exist in kind of uh, that state of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm very blessed to have found ayahuasca. And more importantly, the man that was the ambassador through my change and revamping of my psyche for two years Oh, uh, three, uh, two and a half years, pretty much, of me completely falling apart, and um, to a level that no one understands how much I fell apart. I, I, I fell apart to the point where I could barely take care of myself. I could barely feed myself. I could barely like feed my animals. I literally was on the floor, just like lost in my own in internal torment because ayahuasca was waking me up to show me who I truly was at that point in time. Like it was making me aware of my actions and what it was causing the world and the hurt to pretty much the closest person in my life who is my partner, you know, uh, my wife. And, um, and I saw the pain and suffering that I caused. And I actually had to literally relive and feel all of the suffering that I caused. And so there were points, times when I would come out of ceremony that I couldn't walk for a couple days, or there was even a ceremony that I had like a fever that was so bad. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, I was like, I thought I was going to die. And I remember, um, you know, my Taita, my shaman, he comes up to me and he puts his hand on my forehead and he's just like, you're healing. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but, uh, I was. You know, I was becoming, and that was the first weekend that I started to tell my wife the truth about everything that has happened for the past eight years of our relationship. And um, it just started to come out in every ceremony we would, we would go in it together and just more truth would come out and more truth, more truth, more truth. And, you know, at home, we'd come back home and it was just work every single day to put myself back together and to be truthful because I still would still continue to screw up and mess up and but it was a re slow revamping um and there were some and then I had a, an experience in ayahuasca where which is why I haven't returned to the medicine for about a year now I've been away from it because I pretty much had an experience of an ego death that of um, I don't really talk about this because I don't really think it's people's, um, I don't really think it's fair for people to hear this level of depth that people can go to 
within themselves and that can actually happen on this physical world just because of where humanity's at. But in, in podcasts like this, you know, this type of stuff isn't really for the average person to hear. So when I experienced my ego death, I, I pretty much died and I had to accept, you know, the pain and the suffering and I had to accept it on a level that I can't really imagine and I saw myself so deeply and I realized how I was not listening and I realized and that the only way to move forward from the state that I was in that particular day um, was to fall into a complete and utter surrender. And the ceremony for me, everyone left ceremony, everybody was done and I was still in it for an entire weekend. It never stopped for me. And for pretty much 24 hours straight, I had to fight every, every single ounce of resistance in me to stay and find surrender. And I keep, I kept having to move into a deeper, deeper layer of surrender and surrender. And my physical body was in such a state of shock that I remember convulsing on the floor, almost like a seizure. And I was shaking and I was like crying for help. And there was no one around. There was no one around. Um, it was, I was out by the, just the fire pit all alone, just all day and all night, pretty much. Um, and I had to go through that. And there was a lesson in my life. And that's also when I broke free of uh, cannabis um, completely. And because I realized I had to go into pretty much the cellular structure of my body and release all these band-aids that I had put into my life to set myself free. And I realized that if I wanted to be who I truly am, which is an eternal self, being and I found that I am truly here on this planet to uh, help people and that I have a way with words and that um, I, there isn't there is an energy within me that I have learned to access that I can use to help change the consciousness of this planet and um, ayahuasca was uh, the greatest tool of my life I don't think I'd be who I am right now without it and also you know the the consistency of my yoga and my meditations and the spiritual practices that I have picked up along the way. And as we change vibration, um, we also pick up teachers along the way. We pick up books and special documentaries that come to us in our life and life experiences and synchronicities. And you start to really find why you are here on this earth. And, um, I was very blessed to have gone through that experience. So through all of that, you know, all the, the cheating and the lying, not just in the physical, but I was also lying and cheating to myself, which is the, the, like the deepest of untruth is that, um, I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't have to think about anything that I do, or really, I don't have to think about what I say. Um, because my life is my life and I have nothing to hide and I have nothing to, um, you know, people say that we shouldn't hang our dirty laundry out in front of the world, but I'm here to say the complete opposite, that our dirty laundry is who we are as long as we look at it as a lesson and that there are no, there is no right or wrong. There is no black and white and escaping out of that dualistic nature allows us to find our center and within that center, we release ourselves of so many choices.
and we enter into a flow state of life with the consciousness that gives us breath and um, that is what I am. I am nothing more than just um, a piece of eternity and taking a physical form and everything and everyone that I see is a part of me and um, I dare not uh, live my untruth about that which I know. Um, and I want to help change this planet to reach a level of consciousness where there's just no more suffering, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and uh, help people guide them through whatever type of awakening they need to go through to see who they are. And, um, you know, we all signed up for this. So we're kind of in this together, <laughs> mm. you know. What a ride you just took us on, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot we can kind of circle back to, but I never, it's the first time I've ever said that. So uh, all know. at once, yeah. All at once, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there's a couple pieces like I'm picking up. You know, uh, so the relationship with Nikki starting at 22, which is what, or like, or the marriage starting at 22. Marriage at 22. Yeah. And so, like, one year, two years after your brother's suicide. Yeah, she was with me through that, too. Um, so, and she was, she's always been this, like, little, she's, like, been my angel. But, um, you know, it's maybe you should interview her one time because she'll tell you the same thing. You know, after, she, you know, everybody in the world would have left. I've never actually met a couple that has um, had to overcome, because I didn't get the details. You know, I don't think the details are important. Um, but it was, it was really bad, you know, for 10 years. And when the truth came out, you know, um, and it wasn't just like a few, you know, it was, ten, it was a whole, it was a whole other lives and life and lies and just a whole other, um, world that I had to bring to her, bring to her light mm -hmm. because, uh, I'm a powerful person. You know, I'm, I can... I can manipulate reality. I really can. And it's also another thing that I am. And anyone has this ability. It's, I've always been able to manipulate. I've always been able to kind of foresee and twist and turn circumstances so they can come around and give me the, the moment that I want when I want it. That you like want. That I want. Like quotes, right? Quotes, yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I was able to manipulate things and create you know, um, this reality that I, that I just put myself in, um, and really what it was, was my ego and the ego people think, Oh, it's like me puffing my chest out at the gym or like me thinking I'm big and strong, tough guy. The ego is the cloak that we take on to wear to come into a physical body. So the ego is always going to be there. But the ego will push you away from whatever's good for you in your life if you let it. Because the ego wants you to be attached to this physical world. And the greatest thing in my life that I have used and I've come to realize that has allowed me to transcend this physical world is actually my relationship. Which is why everything in my life was pushing me away from it. So then I did go through a period of time where I was like, when I came into it, my first time I drank the medicine and I came into the awareness of what I was and what I did, you know, I told her I want a divorce because I said, there's no way in the world that we're going to stay together after that. The world tells you, you know, man cheats on you. She's, you know, people break up, mm -hmm. let alone after what I did for, you know, eight to 10, 
eight years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we split up and I almost went and married another chick and it was nuts. The, just the wild ride I went through. And then I met the Taita that I worked with for two years and he looked at me the first night I drank the medicine with him. And he said, uh, the second time I drank the medicine with him, he looked me in the eyes and he said that I'm going to show you what's in front of you. <laughs> and I'll never forget those words because it's still, it still is deeper and deeper, deeper meaning. Um, and it wasn't showing me, it was showing me that, uh, you know, the relationship to get through all this is what transcended me into the man that I am now. And she'll sit right next to me and say that she would also have, love to have um she also would not change the past for anything because she formulated me as her life i was her everything and she had no idea who she was and so pretty much it was eight years of her chasing me and eight years of me never looking at her and we have to be very careful in relationships and we should never look at someone as something someone or something that completes us because you are your own entity and you are your own person and no one can promise you that they're always going to be with you because that is just a reality of this. That is just reality. Someone can say that they're going to be with you or commit to you their whole life. But in reality, promises are really, I mean, all we have is this present moment. We have to always remember that we complete ourselves and we choose to be with someone. And now I understand that the more conscious that I become and as I grow, because it never stops, I just cannot stop seeking and growing. And I told her the other day, I said, I just realized this the other day that I said, you know, I love you, you know, but I love everyone. I, I, I choose to become love. So it's not necessarily I love her more than I love anyone else. But it's even more powerful when you say, I choose to be with you. And if I become a very conscious man and I grow my consciousness to the point I'm so completely aware of my choices, that means my choices are so much more powerful. And that means that my choice to be with you becomes more and more powerful, the more conscious that I become. And this has nothing to do with love because it's a vibration that I am. It has nothing to do with me showing you a particular feeling or emotion that I show you and not someone else because I love the world. I love my life and I love this consciousness and I, I choose to grow into the love consciousness and the Christ consciousness. And, but I choose to be with you. And that choice is far more profound than saying, I love you or, you know, um, showing you gratifying love all the time through, you know, anniversaries or, gifts or things like this so every day i wake up and i choose still to be with you that should be a a representation of of everything that i'm trying to show you in itself because words are nothing everything is vibration and energy and the more that i change myself into what i truly am and i choose still to be with you then and i can and you know once you are on a particular path, you can start to kind of feel like, yeah, I am going to, you know, we are going to be together for the word forever, the rest of our lives. We try not to even go there. But if I'm at this place in my life and I have, you have a partner that has 
followed you and has grown with you, then, you know, your life just is going to get better with being with them. Why would you ever leave? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a totally new dynamic in relationship and a lot of relationships, you know, we, we, people come now to us for relationship advice because, you know, I, I, like I said, again, I've never met a couple stay together after, um, something is profound is what we um, have stayed together through. And I think that's part of our medicine of the world that when we're a little more grounded in ourselves and in our story and a little more grounded in understanding that we're going to help people with. So, yeah, like that distance travel from like the low to like where you are now. And even in like, just that like distance traveled, it's uh, that, that can be a lot for people just to be like, oh, wow, I didn't even know you could go that far. Like, and like that have that altitude change, right? Yeah, the altitude change, like I said, it wouldn't have been possible without ayahuasca. You know, you can have huge altitude changes in life, but ayahuasca is like lifetimes in one night. Mm-hmm. So, And so um, so she, so you got married at 22, mm-hmm. and then how long were you in the Marine Corps for? I did uh uh, just under four years. Four years. And yeah. do you have any deployments overseas? Yeah, I, went to, I deployed to Afghanistan. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, I feel like we can crack that open now or we can crack that open later, but it's, there's a whole lot there. Yeah, it's just really how deep you want to get. I mean, it's all, you know, open. There's there's no there's no um, no boundaries here. But, yeah, you know, I deployed to Afghanistan and did my job there. I was a machine gunner with a uh, combined anti-armor team and I experienced war, mm-hmm. you know, and war is the ultimate uh, picture of duality, you know, and I, um, I, you know, when I was over there, I remember like sitting by the fire and, you know, it's, it's funny. They always say like, there's no atheists in foxholes. You know, so everybody's got a Bible pretty much in Afghanistan, <laughs> you know, just to give cling on to some sort of hope. You know, your buddies are, you got a couple buddies over. I mean, I know quite a few guys that were killed in combat or came back without legs or came back, you know, a couple guys in my platoon got blown up so many times, you know, they're just like screwed up in the head the rest of their life. And um, a bunch of my, uh, you know, a couple guys have committed suicide since we've been out. I, I just got a call the other day, you know, two more guys from my, from my company were uh, killed. I've had, bun- I mean, I've lost, I, I, I know death, you know, like I know so many people that have died and, um, uh, and also just the, just the havoc that, you know, ca- the chaos and the, just the destruction mindset that you're in, you know, it's just think and, you know, it's like kill and think about it later, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the problem, you know, so many guys, you know, they, uh, and I, I was so blessed that I didn't go any farther in my journey because I wanted to like go, you know, do special forces and I wanted to like go do all that stuff. And goodness gracious, am I glad that I never did that because I would have just went deeper into the sociopath nuts crazy you know i mean you just you just bury your soul with this stuff Mm -hmm. and um i ended up getting really sick and getting medically discharged and um so it was such a blessing because i would have been back in afghanistan or you know i would have been i would have i had plans to go join a more more intense division of you know kind of what i was doing and um, I was physically fit for it. I would have probably 
I mean, who knows? You know, they that stuff's some really hard stuff to make it through. So what I made it through, I don't know, but I certainly was gonna try. Mm-hmm. And um, so you know, that uh, turned out to be a blessing. That that and I just realized now it's it's just, it was just you know, protection. You know, because I was meant for so much more than than that. You know, I I was you know I'm really starting to tap into what I want to do, and the love that's in me is so profound, and it just. I mean, all I want to do is just help this world, and 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 uh, I've dedicated my life to anything that I can do, and every conversation I have, and everybody that I'm around. You know, I don't talk politics, I don't talk sports, I don't talk about um, conversation that isn't going to elevate our consciousness. You know, so the lifestyle medicine coaching that I've gotten into, you know, I just meet people and I talk to them about food and the foods they need to be eating and the drinking they need to be eating and like just anything that they can do in their life that is going to help themselves, their depression, their anxiety. 70% of the population is on a medication for their life and over 50% of the population is overweight. 40% is obese. You know, kids are getting labeled with ADHD at the age of four years old and one in eight are going to try to kill themselves. One in eight, you know, it's just nuts. So the consciousness has to change. Mm. And uh, it's, it's just, I've really just strapped in and I've gotten to the point where I see life, you know, this is Babylon, but it's also very beautiful. And there's so much love here on this planet if we tap into it. I mean, people are trying to enhance their lives. You know, I was stoned for like years of my life. I was drunk for years of my life, trying to enhance my life and run away from my pain. And really, if we understood only half of a millionth of a percent of what really is the truth, I don't think we could take it. And that's how profound and vast and beautiful that it is. I think we would just pop. And, you know, um, just the other day, just 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 for an example of the things that I stay in awe is that, you know, I'm big into um, coaching people to do enemas and colonics and, you know, um, to help clean their digestive system out because I... Uh, I see that being a huge spot of disease that brings people so much pain and suffering in their life is when their digestive system is blocked. So anyway, I learned that the Egyptians have been doing, started um, doing colonics. And the Egyptians learned about colonics from watching nature. And they saw a bird with a long beak fly into a zebra and put the beak in the zebra's butt and squirt water down it. And then the zebra had this huge bowel movement. And that was nature teaching the Egyptians that this is what you have to start doing into your life to get healthy. And then the Egyptians started, they would use rods, special rods, and they would get clean water out of the river and they would put special herbs in it. They would suck the water up out of the rods and they would blast it into somebody's rectum and they would heal people through um, pretty much inducing medicine rectally, which um, we all know that, you know, it doesn't go through the liver and the kidneys. It goes right in your bloodstream, which is like the fastest, most direct route to get um, medicinal phytochemicals into your body and not to mention um, release whatever type of blockage is in there. So to me, it's just, you know, the truth is found right in front of us. And the more that we meditate within ourselves to really search for it and find it. I mean, I sit outside and I just ask to receive, you know, the vibration of the bugs the vibration of the crickets and the cicadas and the deer and the butterflies. It's all just, a symphony of nature um, teaching us so many things.
you know. So, and I am a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, I, I resonate with your story about why, you know, I, and I went through OCS for the Marine Corps from a place of, of self-destruction as well. And I didn't end up like accepting my commission and for a reason and, and with retrospect I, I am so glad. You're so smart. <laughs> oh, you're so smart. You know? And it's for you too. It's like you're just Once like, again, it's your divinity just coming through, man. Mm-hmm. Taking care of you. And um and also I wanna touch on this thread of um I believe I think from what we've talked about before, you know, before this interview, um, but I believe you know, Christian, you know, come coming to you and introducing oh. Right. Yeah, Christian. I forgot that you knew him. Know. You know he's not here yeah, with us anymore. Um, so it was really amazing. My path to finding ayahuasca um, was the, it was a, just a, a divine ladder, a divine path. It truly was God. Just you know, and wh- wh- when I say the word God, I, I mean like the you know I don't put things in the boxes, you know, or anything like that. It's just a word to represent a particular energy. It's just essentially you know the highest prime creator of truth of, uh, you know, Christ consciousness that we can really put into a word, you know, guide of direction, you know, what is our God? What is our guide of direction? And it really just led my path for me. I, um, I had a buddy come over who was a vet and I was just a mess, man. And he knew I was a mess. And like, he's just like, Hey man, smoke this stuff. And I never like smoked anything other than like weed at this point, but it was DMT. (laughs) This is Christian. No, no, no. This This is my, this is my buddy Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Okay. Kyle is like, dude, he's like on my heart because he led me. um, And I, I, you know, I was researching DMT before this. I knew what it was. I read the book, you know, by. uh, But rarely are you presented it. No, it doesn't doesn't come across too often. You know, she's just like, hey, man, like, I got DMT. Like, you want to try it? I'm just like, yo, I'm nervous. My heart's beating out of my chest. I'm like, let's do it. So I smoked some DMT and it blast off i mean i broke through a veil and it showed me like oh my gosh that's what i've been searching for that like direction i didn't know what it was i broke through this you know fractal sacred geometry veil and i met you know this space beyond our physical reality like the astral realms and i did not understand what happened all i knew was oh my goodness that's that's did I just need that? Mm. And I don't know like up until that point, your compass had just been spinning. 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 I had no compass. You had no compass. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even know how to build a compass. No, <laughs> no, no, com- no compass. And with that, you, it was that was like sort of like this is like somewhere like I don't know what I learned. I don't know where it is. I don't know how to find it again. But somewhere along the way, this is what I've been looking for. Hundred percent. It was a feeling. Um, and pretty much I drew everything just, I just was like, that's what I need. And I just dove into what is DMT and I found what is ayahuasca and what is this? And I spent hours and hours and hours researching and reading books and I didn't leave the house. I started making DMT and I, I started exploring it and I started smoking it and breaking through. And I'm like, what are these realms? And I started to screw me up because I don't agree. I actually advise people not to smoke DMT because it's only half of it's like it's just showing you the ocean and there's no knowledge transfer there's no there's no true like it's there's no journey it's like yeah it'd be, it'd be like 
being transported to the bottom of the ocean, but Real not quick. going in the submarine like for the mile down. Exactly. And just like understanding like where are we? How far is this? Like yeah. Like, no no answers. Mm-hmm. You know no, no no context. No yeah nothing. It's just kind of like you're here and then you're back. So you can chase it. You can um, and so then I just knew ayahuasca. I knew. Mm. I mean I I should ask Nikki. I would every day I wake up babe. Babe, should, should, should I go drink ayahuasca? She, she would just say, I don't know, babe. And I would just be like, and I would go research. And I just, my heart would beat out of my chest and it was calling me. It like was. You were afraid though. It was like that kind of. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't, it was some, you know, I had no idea. No one else in my, I'm the only guy in my life doing this. Everybody else is like, I got to get up at eight o'clock for work tomorrow. And I'm like, you know, stewing in my house about this visionary plant medicine that I can't get out of my head and something's drawing me towards, you know, like this something I'm seeking. So I came across this this picture and I came across this guy's video on YouTube and it was Christian's. And he was like, I'm an Iraqi veteran and, you know, I'm a Marine and, you know, I drank ayahuasca and it helped me with, and he, he had his testimony. And I just was like, oh man, Marines, like I trust Marines. Like I don't trust anybody else if you weren't a Marine. You know, I didn't trust anybody, mm-hmm. you know. I Facebook stalked them. I somehow tracked them down and I like instant messaged him. I requested his friend request and he finally said, okay. And he talked to me and he's like, yeah, man. He's like, you know, why don't you come drink ayahuasca with us? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, man, I'm coming. So I called my cousin, my cousin up, who was also a Marine, and he was all, and we got out at the same time. He was a, he was a Special Forces Marine, and he was all messed up. He was in the middle of a divorce, and his life was going down, and he was drinking, and he was a total wreck. And I'm like, yo, dude, listen, you can't really ask me any questions because I don't know anything, but all I know is, like, we're going to drive 10 hours down to North Carolina and drink ayahuasca in the middle of the woods, and I can't, it's all I can really tell you. And he's like, what's ayahuasca? I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> all I know is, is that it's this medicine that, you know, we got to do. And he's like, okay. So we drove 10 hours down into North Carolina. I met a whole group of people. Just buzzing the whole time just for the 10 hours. freaking out. <laughs> you know. Um, I had no idea what was going on, you know, and, um, and my first ceremony, uh, other than I, I, I would say it was one of the most, I mean, I had so many powerful experiences. <laughs> I had two years of powerful experiences and I don't, the reason I don't really talk about the, what really happened to me is this, in these experiences, cause I don't want people to have a negative idea about ayahuasca because it is the most beautiful, loving, gentle thing that you can ever go through. But that is not what I needed. Mm-hmm. I needed a kick in the ass, a punch in the face. I needed to be beaten down into the dirt so I can look up and see what I was. And that is what I got. And I did have some of the most beautiful loving because I did need love sometimes I did you know when I would walk up into a ceremony and I would be trembling from you know the the one last week and you know it's telling myself I couldn't take anymore and that would give me love and it would like lay over me like a blanket and you know but 
so I don't I don't talk about my my, my experiences too much in that way because they're reflected of where you were in that space. Exactly, a hundred percent. I also don't think really anybody should because that's all for us. But we can talk about how our lives changed and the lessons that we learned from it. But a lot of people talk about their experience, about what they saw, like what they you know their own personal. Ah, yeah, experience. And, and I what think, they remembered, too. Like yes. That's a whole other level of it, too, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. And I just think there's some stuff we should talk about and some that we shouldn't, and everybody has to go through it and learn it themselves. And I do think that everyone on the planet should drink it at least once. Um, so my first experience down in North Carolina was, I mean, ugh, I, I can't, words don't have it. It broke through... It showed me how screwed up I was. I mean, and I still had no idea how screwed up I was. I just was like, oh my gosh, I am so messed up. <laughs> and Christian just took care of me all weekend. All weekend, that man helped me through some darkness. And he, you know, he applied me. He was the man that gave me rafe for the first time. And he was the man that... And for those of you that don't know what rape is, it's another sacred medicine that is used during an ayahuasca ceremony. And it helps decalcify the pineal gland. It helps to break through these barriers and helps unblock the energetic blocks that keep our third eye and crown chakras blocked. And but in short, it is like a tobacco snuff with a little bit of mint, right? And it burns like a mother. Different alkaloids. It's intense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you snorted some serious peppermint. That's what he told me. And then when he... Sh- when he gave it to me, I was like, what type of peppermint have you ever snorted? That's like a cakewalk compared to raw bay. Yeah. Um, and he just took care of me all weekend. You know, he was like my angel, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he knew, you know, he, he went, you know, me and my cousin, we were just side by side going through it, and he's, he's taking care of me in the way that, you know, people know how to take care of you in ceremony, you know, and, uh, and uh, I drank medicine with him a few times and then, um, and then I met Pedro. And, oh, and I also drank medicine in Peru and Brazil. And I drank it, you know, with some other people. And I realized that if you drink the medicine with someone that doesn't really bring the indigenous understanding and the indigenous training and the man himself who's serving the medicine hasn't taken himself to a particular place your ego is going to run the ceremony within yourself. And I went through this little period of time that I thought I was Mr. Healer Ayahuasca, man. Like, I'm so much better now, blah, blah, blah. And it was all a bunch of bullshit. And it was all my ego telling me that I was healed and I was good on, like, my fifth time drinking ayahuasca. Because I drank it with all these different people that weren't able to take me to the depths. And once I met my Taita... And he showed me how sick I truly was because not only was I sick, but then I had this egotistical mindset within my own self that I was good and I knew what I was doing in life. So he not only showed me before I was sick, but then he showed me like this stupid, like, I don't want to curse. It's like this ridiculous uh, platform I built for myself and he literally undid every everything that I built up within myself that I thought I was healed from and then I had to go back and heal everything from my past 
And when I met him, I, I haven't touched the medicine with anyone else. I haven't even given it a second thought. Although I was smoking marijuana through all that, and that was a whole other thing. You know, that was just a Band-Aid and a consciousness that's really sticky and icky. And when I broke that, um, I was really set free. And he systematically worked with me and took care of me. And it was a tough love. It was 100% love because love is not easy. Love is like, this is the truth. And he gave me the truth every single time. He never gave me what I wanted. He gave me what I needed every single time. I mean, every time. And that is how I'm sitting here able to breathe a breath of grace because of what I went through with him. And he guided me to everything. Took care of me. Um, not like pillow, like Teddy, teddy bear stuff. I mean, like he pulled stuff out of me. He brought me realizations, deep realizations about myself. And I know that that man has, has done so much for others just like this. And it's just true love. It is a hundred percent true love that, that you can find that ayahuasca can help you reach. And it's a vibration that when you are in it brings understanding and healing to your life so once again you know i i am choosing to walk in that vibration now and i'm i i'm on my hands and knees quite often asking that uh <laughs> if there's any slipping that i catch it like asap because i am mortal and i am human but this is why my daily practice consists of a meditation twice a day that I do not miss. And that this is why I am on a very specific lifestyle that I do not go out of my lifestyle for any reason. I do not break some boundaries that I have put on myself because I know that they are not good for me. I do not go places. I do not take part in conversations. I do not, I'm living in the world and I am not a part of most of it. And that's because of where I am now. Who I am. So. Mm. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I keep, I keep thinking about Christian. Yeah. You know, it's tough. Just um, the way that he, he, he was a special guy. Yeah, he brought both of us to He the brought us together, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Well, for him, we wouldn't be sitting here. And I think, I mean, I can, I think uh, for me, you know, for me personally, there's this, there are these ideas of, uh, you know, people when they go through near-death experiences, and we can talk about this later if this resonates with you, but um, this idea of like, there are people that you know who have died before you who are the ones to sort of retrieve you. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just like when I found out of Christian, like the first thing I thought of was just like a deep sadness. But then it was just like, maybe he'll be that guy for me. You know? <laughs> Dude, he was just, he was like, remember his eyes? Yeah. Dude, his eyes were like these deep angel eyes, <laughs> you know? And then it just blew my mind because he's like, oh, I feel like crap, man. I just ate this huge chicken bacon cheeseburger. And then, you know, he's just like, Christian, what are you doing? <laughs> and then, you know, like, he, you just see him come alive and I and, and with ayahuasca, mm -hmm. you know? Like, he just, like, would... You know, I'll never forget, like, what he was like to me in ceremony and what he did for me and, you know, me. And he, I mean, look at us. We're hanging out now. You were like, yeah, I'm coming up to Pennsylvania. I'm like, yeah, that's my home. You know what I mean? And then you ended up meeting Taita. And so it's like, 
it's uh it's just amazing the synchronicities and and the tribe that we've built and you know we're really i really see that those of us that have kind of understand a particular side of life you know um, i'm reminded sometimes how lost people can really be and how i was when you know i get exposed to someone that just has no direction and then I really see that, you know, as time goes on, man, you know, people like us and the community, the small community that we have, uh, people are really going to lean on us and they're really going to ask us questions. And it's, it's so important now than ever to support each other and help each other understand each other, because when the time comes, you know, people are going to need the help. And, you know, I told you from the beginning, like you give me hope for the medical industry because I have no, other than putting you back together in a surgery or something, I'm just, I don't really know much more to say anymore because of what's been going on. And somebody like you, a conscious man entering into the medical profession, do you still want to do psychiatry? Yeah. 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 Awesome. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, it's, you know, what, I mean, you've experienced it. So it's like, oh, you can go years of therapy or you just drink ayahuasca for a weekend or, you know, try another plant medicine. If plant, if this plant medicine calls to you, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's a consciousness out there that's waiting for you to just surrender to it. And it will, it'll help you find yourself, you know, through any type of dysfunction. Um, and it's just, so once again, you know, I'm just like, once Eugene's in there, you know, another good doctor, you're going to write a book and then people are going to read it and they're going to, you know, it's going to be awesome. So that's what I can say, man, <laughs> you know, like, well, what you were talking about too, about, um, just how lost people are is, you know, I've spent the last eight weeks on the inpatient psych unit, locked psych unit, you know, yeah. and just like the people that come in there I and mean, it's just like, oh man, it's, but you know, a lot of it is keeping things in. Because let me tell you what, if I wouldn't have purged the truth out when I did the Nikki, even if, even if I, even if we broke up and we split up and we went and got divorced, like the divorce papers were signed, we just never turned them in. Even if we went through that, the fact that I had those lies still in me, I mean, I could have popped. Mm -hmm. This is the type of stuff. This is illness. This is what illness really is. This is, I mean, there's some, we don't live our truth it's i mean we can turn into a psychotic mess let me tell you one story and then we'll we'll i think we can move on to the next prompt yeah, that's fair. yeah yeah just along this line is um there's a lady that i met on the um palliative care um service mm -hmm. she uh you know we we see people like uh you know that we're consultants and they'll they're consultants because we think this person's dying and we they think they need help being transitioned to hospice care etc like have those conversations okay and we went in with this lady and she's known to the service and they knew the people that I was with knew her and uh, she had really bad like breathing problems, COPD. And uh, she came in and we were talking with her and after like 10, 20 minutes, she's told us, um, you know, it's like, I really need to say something. I've never really told anyone this before. And we we're like, oh gosh, what's about to happen? She told us about um, some sexual abuse she went through as a very young child. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she was shaking so hard yeah. and she was like, I've never said that out loud in my entire life. Yeah. And then, uh, we, we left, we transitioned her over to hospice because we thought that was the direction she was going. But How old we, was she? Uh, like 60, 70s. 
Not too old. Uh, she was in hospice in 67? Yeah, we, were, we thought she just needed to be transitioned to like longer term care. Um, and then she ended up dying like three days later. Mm. Oh, you know, she, she just needed to get that out, you know, it's just help, you know, and it was this whole thing. And so it was just this really, you know, I mean, for that's, us, that's another thing. I really think ayahuasca prepares you for death. Mm-hmm. 100%. Let's, let's move on to the next one. How do you finish that next prompt of before I die, I want? All right. Before I die, I want, um, I want to, so is this pretty much when, okay, when, this is not when I die. Yeah, we're so, getting there. We're getting So <laughs> before I die, I want to, I'll say some physical aspects. You know, I want to see the world. I want to, you know, see the mountain ranges and I want to follow the spirit within me to wherever it decides me to go. Like recently I went to the Himalayan mountains and had, you know, a beautiful spiritual experience there. And, and because I, I feel, I don't take pictures really anymore. And I feel like all these things that we see are feelings of truth that when we allow them to really imprint inside of us, that when we do go to move on, um, we can ride these feelings. And, uh, so like the Himalayan mountains and, you know, the ancient sites in Peru and the underwater world from scuba diving, and, uh, just growing and evolving as a human and learning as many lessons as I can. So I do not come back and repeat. And I also, you know, I study the esoteric knowledge because I believe that there's Everything that's ever been told to us is a lie. And um, I don't mean that like a tinfoil hat. <laughs> uh, because, you know, there's like some stuff that I know that like I would I don't even discuss anymore because it's like it doesn't matter. But the esoteric knowledge with the ancient Egyptians, with the ancient gurus, with the ancient Indians, with all them knew is that there is a way to set ourselves up now for death and for the next life. And that's what this is. There's ways to build samaskaras, they call it, which are imprints in your DNA now to set yourself up for the next life. That when you come back onto that DNA imprint, it's like I'm on the right path. And I know that I've tapped into some of those already within my own life, which is why I know that I'm on my right path. And these synchronicities and DNA, DNA imprints that you find. And even sometimes I feel I've, I've run into people already that I know that I've known in a past life and that they're my teachers and they're some of the closest people in my life and they know it too and that we take care of each other. And, you know, it's like when you start to wake up to what this is, you know, um, so I'm going to set as much relationships up with people as I can, just like what you were talking about with Christian like we are the ones that are continue going to pull each other through these times of, of, of not remembering who we are. Because when we come into this physical body, we go through the veil of forgetfulness. We do not remember who we are and what we are. We have to go through all this stuff to realize that we are an eternal being in a physical body having this human experience and the more that we set ourselves free the next time around, the more liberated that we're going to be. And there are a lot of shortcuts and there's a lot of tricks that this life has that you can tap into. And it all comes from seeking. And the ancient knowledge has been stripped away from us. We're not learning this in schools. We're not learning this in church. 
Our parents aren't teaching it. It's not their fault. They don't know it. For hundreds of years, we've been lost. And now it's at the age of Aquarius. This information is finding us again. And we got people like me and you sitting here testing the system, breaking down the walls and the barriers of humanity that has built to keep us from the truth because the powers to be do not want us to flourish and become one and to live through the unity of consciousness. And when this happens... The whole paradigm shift of death and of life and of next lives and past lives, all that will change because the entire vibration of the universe will be changing. And that is what I'm here for to do during this life. And that's what I want to do before. That's what I want to truly want before I die. And on the simple terms, I want to eat as much fruit. I want to be naked as much as I can. I want as much sun. I want to have the best relationships i'm gonna pet as many dogs as i have you can do i want to you know i want to enjoy life experience it see the trees see the birds understand what's really happening um but also you know life this is a prayer life is a prayer and uh don't want to stop praying so mm. that's what i want before i die i hear you and um you know, one, one question that I want to ask is, uh, with this relationship is, do you see, um, do you see it going forward into a larger family than you and Nikki and, and the Pooches? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, we talk, um, it's, uh, I also am in the, um, understanding, um, of some things is I say this to people, you know, just because I can, doesn't mean that we should. Mm-hmm. And I believe that having a child is something that you will be, you'll know that it's time and that it's right for you. And if I would have had a child before now, <laughs> that child would have inherited a lot of my suffering and pain. and would have Because we are, they are coming out of our DNA. And as, I mean, science has shown it now. DNA is not genetics. Everybody uses that as an excuse. It is epigenetics. It is your lifestyle choices. Every single thing you think, act, do, put in your body stores in your DNA. But your DNA can be changed pretty quickly with the right foods, waters, lifestyle choices, meditative practices. You can literally reconstruct your DNA. So I'm certainly turning into a man now that I would be willing to introduce another life into this world but do i want do i want one right now no i don't think it, i'm still not in a place of being or my life is conducive for one yet and i don't know if one ever will be um and i think more people need should be thinking about yeah i want a kid i want a kid i mean uh, how many i have seen children in my friends' lives being used as pawns through divorces and being used as like these tools of of custody and money and i mean this is this is dysfunction and this is disgust and ignorance at its finest and it's not no one's fault it's just an unconscious thing that's happening on the planet that no one talks about and no one gives thought of but i watch it like a movie and i try to learn from people's experiences now and i also i've found information that resonates with me that children choose their parents because when we choose our parents, our parents are going to bring us into the atmosphere most conducive for our soul to go through the lessons that they need to learn. 
So I also look at it that if I'm a conscious man living a life of truth, that I'm going to have a child that will come into this world already in that vibration. And I want to, if I would have a child, then I would want it to hit the ground running already conscious as possible. And I would do everything I can to, you know, I can't, I also feel that like children shouldn't really be told what to do. They already know and you just keep them safe and let them grow and you're the best influence energetically on them as possible. I don't really see the, the old paradigms of, of, of parenting, I think, are starting to break away. And I think they're new paradigms. They're new paradigms. You know, like, you know, like your your child is going to. Um, how, how, how old is it? How old is your Eight child months. Now? Eight months. So your child's going to be raised around not an old school doctor of like, here, take this SSRI because you're depressed. You're going to, he's going to come up around your mentality and your new ideas. And I mean, that's leaps and generations apart between, I mean, t- 10 years ago to now is generations. You know, it really is so much thinking and paradigms have been shut down. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. It's like, what atmosphere, what consciousness do I want to bring a being into this world in? I mean, I, dude, I, I had, I mean, if I would have had a child, man, oh man, I, you know, it's, you would have came out into a, a world of chaos up until this point. And, um, would you have even I, been able to get on this journey? No, that's another thing. I, the space in my life that I was conducive for my healing wouldn't have been there. And, and I actually came into the understanding of how do I, how do I ensure you know, that I don't have a child. I've been celibate for a year and that over a year, actually. And people are like, what? You're, you're, you're married and you have a celibate. Your wife can't be happy. There's no, you know, you you guys, you know, and I've come under the understanding of once again, the complete opposite of what's out there is like, if your relationship works without sex and it will work even better with sex. So many counselors out there say, oh, you know, you got your struggling relationship. Make sure you have sex once a week. And I think that's the, like, I just want to, like, rattle people's brains and be like, if you're not having sex in a healthy, loving relationship way, then, like, it's only hurting you because it's draining both of you of your energy in a very negative way. And it's imprinting you on a negative way. And on a soul level, you know, what sex really is, is, is two souls coming together and sex is actually supposed to work with your kundalini and work with your seven chakras to use the energy to bring it up into your body and you can actually heal organs and heal blockages and sex is very healing so i'm studying something called taoism which is a man how to have an orgasm without an ejaculation because an ejaculation takes a lot of lifespan a lot of life force out of a man because it it's made with some the seminal fluid is the fluid's of your heart and your organs and your kidneys and your liver and the cell and plasma of your body and your DNA is all in every single ejaculation. And that takes, that's your life. It's like juice from your battery. So the only time really we want to ejaculate is when we choose to have a child. So I'm studying and getting my sexual energies under control because they were so damaged from my previous lifestyle choices that I just naturally went celibate. And, um, I've been in this state of being for over uh, probably like a year now where I don't, I haven't released my seed. I, I don't, my, our relationship is growing and growing like a flower. And, you know, we talk about, you know, one day when we have sex, you know, we're, we're both studying a book and we're both learning who we are and 
we're studying our own sexual energies, our female energies and our masculine energies. And we both kind of agreed not until we both have read this book and we both can enter into sex with the right practice and the understanding of the divine connection of what it is. And we're in a right place with our creator that we're going to embrace in that action. And right now there's still a lot of other things that are coming into play before all that work. So I, we're just living in the present right now. And, um, you know, it's not really about what I want anymore. It's about what's, what's meant for me to happen. That's kind of where I'm at. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it'll, um, <laughs> we're getting into some stuff. We're getting into some stuff. That's good, right? <laughs> You've never said any of this stuff before. Yeah, it's good. It's, you know, it's just, uh, there are so many different ways to live than there are, than we've been presented, you know, and it's in, however you want to live. Yeah. There's just so many ways and it's however you want. Yeah, it's like, and if it's not hurting anybody, what's, 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 you know, what's... It's no right or wrong. Yeah. If it matches with how somebody else is living, it ain't, it ain't truly you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so vastly different and that vast difference is our medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, that difference is who we are. And if we are living by somebody else's rules instead of this, what's inside is our guidance system. And then we just got to feed the guidance system. We got to nourish it and feed it. And the guidance system, it's, it's the truth. It's what's going to lead you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I lived, you know, like other people for a long time. And now when people come here, they think we're a little bonkers on some things, you know? Um, but it's okay because I don't like take it personally or anything like that you know it's just like what's real and what's not what do you want to spend your time on who do you want to talk to what do you want to do what do you want to eat there's no right or wrong I don't judge anybody everything's perfect just don't infringe on my I just ask that you do not enter into my etheric field or my space without my permission and everything will be perfect yeah, I I wish I met more people that was like, oh, this is bonkers in a slight, in like an interesting way. I'm like, oh, this is more. This is just uh, I didn't know people could live like this. This is fine. You know? I love it when I see weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love traveling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I've come across some like stuff that's weird that pounds my heart out of my chest, and I know that it's not right. And then I come across some stuff, and I'm like, hmm. Like for instance, like. N- n- Nikki and I, we don't sleep on the, we sleep on the floor now, like the hardwood floor, you know, like just no mattress, no padding, just right on the hardwood floor. Mm-hmm. And people think it's a little weird. And I'm like, you have no idea how healing it was for my back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and her, it's comfy now. And we're, we both are sleeping better and our, my, my chest opens up and my spine gets to be activated and it's just awesome. <laughs> and people are like, what? You got rid of your $4,000 Tempur-Pedic bed? the floor i'm like yep it's like isn't it simpler it's like it's so much and i tore it all like it gives us so much power because we can be comfortable anywhere you know like i was i went to the airport um when i was traveling forget where i was and i just rolled out my yoga mat and i had my bed anywhere (laughs) i'm it gives you power i'm comfortable anywhere you know like I sleep on the floor. I don't need a bed. I don't need a couch. Don't need cushions. Don't need a pillow. I don't need anything. I just need a floor. Boom. I'm tired. I need to rest. And now Earth rest. is holding you up. Earth is holding me up. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and I sleep like a baby. <laughs> I struggled with sleep for years, mm-hmm. you know? So that's just one of the things, you know? Um, so this just separates you from the world a little bit, but it's nothing really too big. It's more or less, you know, the food thing's a big deal, you know? We're both, you know, we're all vegans now, and I don't even put myself into the box of being a vegan. I just say that so people understand, like, how I eat, really. And I'm not one to tell you how to eat. I'm just saying our path led us to where we're at now that was most conducive to bringing our bodies to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, so the lifestyle coaching that I do is I really help people understand who they are and where they want to go. And then I try to, we pick goals and a path. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I never really saw myself even being here when people say, are you vegan? And, and I'm like, no, and they're like, well, do you eat meat? And I say, no. Oh and yeah. And then, and then I say, <laughs> no, and they're like, so you're vegan. And I'm like, no, they're like, but you don't eat meat. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't eat anything from an animal. They're like, so you're vegan? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, and they're like, how are you not vegan? I'm like, because I say that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it just, I see like, doesn't compute kind of going on in their brain because I don't want to put myself in that box because that box is separating me from somebody else. And there's no difference. Mm-hmm. There's no difference from me than you. And if you want to make the difference from me to you about what I eat, then yeah. But do I separate myself from a lot of places that do indulge in some things that I don't consume anymore or a way of life? Yeah, I I choose to separate myself from that, but I'm not saying that I'm separate from you. I just, there's some things that I don't want to be around. I don't go to bars. I don't like to be in restaurants. I don't like, I don't like to be around big dinners anymore, you know, because I, I try to control my eating and eating is a very spiritual thing for me now. Um, I'm very careful who I eat around. I'm very careful about these things now because I'm just aware of what happens when we eat and the energy that's passed around and, you know, how nourishing it is for our bodies to eat in a meditative state and to have a good conversation. You know, if I have a spiritual conversation while I'm eating, it's not only nourishing me, you know, in the conversational way, but I'm also nourishing myself, you know, physically with food. But if you listen to the normal conversations that people have when they're they're eating, it's normally politics or the weather or, you know, it's complaining or work or, you know. And so if I'm around what I call like my, my family, which is, you know, my people that I involve in my life, then, you know, I'll let's have a good meal, a beautiful meal. We'll eat in a meditative state and have a good conversation. But other than that, we don't. Even family dinners I don't go to. I'll show up before or after and I leave during the meal. You know, so it's it's a little different. People can take offense to it, but it's not my fault how you choose. You know, I'm not hurting you. I'm not impeding in your space in any way. So if you choose to feel something about how I am, that's on you and not me. And that's your lesson to learn. And I'll do everything I can to be co- conscious and aware of how other people feel. And I will change some of the things how I am so I don't imprint negatively on anybody about my actions because also a level of understanding has to do with that too. So if someone doesn't understand that it turns into, you know, something negative, but so I'm trying to be conscious about everything and navigate this path as consciously as I can. And, um, so, you know, we both turned into a living raw food diet and it's brought a transformation to my mind and my body and of untold 
can't even begin to understand how much better I feel compared to where I was, even nourishing, you know, my body in this way. And so I'm very glad I, because there's no hiding from yourself in a raw food diet, man, you're, you're constantly aware of emotions. Stuff's always coming up. It's like you're detoxing yourself emotionally all the time. And if you don't have a, a good dialogue with yourself, if you don't have systems in your life to support you emotionally and spiritually, this diet will kick your butt. This lifestyle will, you won't be able to do it. You have to be in a state ready to handle yourself in order to enter into this way of eating. And um, I was a very sick person, you know, just as sick as I was spiritually and emotionally. People used to look at me and I looked like a freaking Ken doll. You know, I was ripped. I was could do, you know, freaking, I was on like that semi-pro level on, you know, sports and stuff. My, my physical attributes, but I was so sick inside. My organs were so sick. My liver, my intestinal tract. All these things that people don't realize. Yeah, we all can look healthy at 24, 25 years old. Let me tell you what. This is why we die at 50, 60 years old. And people are suffering at 50, 60 years old. It shouldn't be this way. And when I started to understand this and my, my diet led me to here. I've seen what has come out of my body. And oh my gosh, I had so much you know, medication still in there, the heavy metals, the bad emotions stored in the organs, um, tissues, my tissues repaired, the back injury I went through all got better from um, my diet. And this is why and how I've ended up here. You know, I'm covered in tattoos. It's horrible for your body, you know. Um, so it's just a complete revamping of, of your lifestyle. And um, so I'm, this is what I want. This is another thing I wanted before I die to get this control over the physical body. So once again, you know, I don't make these same mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, I think we're ready to move on to the when. All right. Yeah. So when I die, I want. So before I answer that question, I'll just once again, like how I spoke about before, about how I dove into like the esoteric information and also a lot of the deep yogic the yogis, they, they talk about um, when you die, what happens. So I want to die in peace. And I want to die in understanding. And I want to die in the grace and the love that I have found now. And I feel also like we have to think about death, which is why this is like a Dude, you're, you're healing people with these podcasts and these interviews because you're taking them to places that most people don't want to think about um, because we have, we should be thinking about death. I mean, it's the only thing that's guaranteed in this life. Only thing. And yet no one thinks about it. And we should be thinking about it on very deep levels. We should be meditating on it. We should be figuring it out, understanding what it really is, researching it. We should be feeling what our heart tells us about it. Because death is coming like a tidal wave. And it doesn't have to be a tidal wave. It could be a very gentle ocean that we step out into and we swim into with acceptance. And I know these are big, powerful words that I'm saying. And I'm not saying that I'm there. Because I have tried thinking about death and ayahuasca and it took me into a place and I asked the medicine to stop. 
because I couldn't go any deeper because it was just too much. I was afraid that I was just going to start freaking out, crying and screaming for my mom because it took me literally into a place where it was going to show me what death really was on a whole other level. And it scared me. I just, my psyche, you know, it's a slow process to really see the layers of death. And ayahuasca does, um, uh, it does, um, it's kind of like, it is a death process. And I've been told that dying is like the ultimate surrender and the ultimate letting go. So through life, you know, people fight everything. We fight our emotions and we fight our thoughts and we wrestle with this and we wrestle with that. And the more that I fall into surrender in this life and I realize that like it's not about what I want, that the more that I can only hope for that when death comes, that it's like whether I want it or not and it's coming, that I can surrender to it and let it roll over me like a gentle ocean and just get washed away to sea and on to the next experience. And um, once again, am I there in this life to be able to, if death came tomorrow, would I be there like a Zen monk on the, you know, on the top of a mountain, letting it just flow through me? I can't really say all, and we don't, I don't think any of us really know until the time really comes. All I can say is that it is something I, I, I have been recently trying to think about more and understand. And, um, just overall prepare myself for more. And the, the more that I live in surrender and the more that I live in grace and let my emotions and thoughts run through me without attachment, I can, I can only, um, hope and, uh, I just am kind of guided towards, you know, that, um, it's kind of just preparing yourself to live a, a life conducive towards a, a death of a, of a hero, you know, going through this life and, realizing the most you can out of it you know and just saying like I did the uh, truly the best I could with love and um it wasn't about what I wanted you know I came here to do what I what I was supposed to do you know and you're describing a death that I want for myself as well um but I wonder have you ever seen or known a death that is what you're seeking uh no no not really i've actually seen the complete opposite you know i've seen a lot of people i know you know i've had some old family members i think my great-grandmother like um had a pretty a death of of pretty much um i think she passed in her sleep you know kind mm-hmm. of like that but i also you know i also i'm kind of starting to really i don't like to use the word believe but I'm kind of starting to really know that you can choose. It's called casting away. Have you ever heard of it? Yep. So casting away is when you prepare your body and your mind for death. Mm-hmm. And you can actually let your spirit leave your body through your crown chakra on your given time. And it's called casting away. And it's like if you know death is coming and we don't want to fight it, more or less work with it. And work with that. Because death is just a separation of the body not being able to house the spirit anymore. And I see it a lot of times. This is why a lot of times when I see people that are put on medication to stay alive or, you know, they're, they're barely hanging on there anymore due to some sort of medical device or medical pill that's like keeping their heart pumping when it shouldn't be pumping anymore. They have this look in their eye, like just, I don't like this torment because the soul's like, let me go. And the body and the ego are like, no, we're, we're like, we're trapping you. We're, we got you. And you know, 
there's a time when the spirit and the body are going to coincide together and be like, it's time to depart. And the spirit's going to look down at the body. It's going to say, I lay you back down to this earth to go back to the dust of which you came from and the body and the ego, because you have controlled the ego at this point. You understand as an eternal self what is happening and you are aware of what's happening. And you say, I lay my body to rest as I transcend into the infinite consciousness, that which I know really nothing about because we can think we know everything on this earth. But the more knowing that I come across, the only knowing that I can really know is that I know nothing. Absolutely nothing. The more that I don't know is the more peace I find in my life. And that's all, the inf oh, that's all that information really is true information that's not you know scientific and all this kind of stuff that like makes us think we really understand what's going on it's just like when you reach into that deep knowledge of the esoterics and that deep knowledge of like infinity it's just like oh my gosh how much is out there and that we don't know and then in that unknowing is like the sense of knowing but it's a feeling of just overall peace which is information, you know, feeling is information. I, it's like the highest form of information. So, um, so yeah, I haven't really, and I had, you know, a family member recently pass away. He wasn't like a direct, he was kind of like, uh, you know, on the outskirts of a, he wasn't like immediate family. And he went through a really, oh God, it's just not a way that I want to go. You know, he kind of fell apart and you now the, 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 the dementia sets in and the all timer sets in and then, you know, they're falling and they're, they're just a mess and all this stuff. And, and then it, you know, same thing, like you said before, a bunch, he came out and said a bunch of stuff that was on his chest that he had to say before he died, you know, and, and, and people were like, what? And it's just like, what do you think's making them fall apart? You know, mm -hmm. it's these lies that we hold inside of us and it's not taking care of ourselves and eating the right way. And then towards the end of our life, we are going to pay for it. <laughs> mm. You know, I'm, I'm 31 years old. Like I want to set myself up that I'm still going back to the Himalayans at 67 years old. I'm on this 150 year plan. hundred percent. I ain't in this for no 70, 80 years. I just had a guy the other day I sat with in a yoga class and he's like, I'm on this 150 year plan. I'm like, dude, me too. <laughs> like, there's no reason. I mean, if I do, if I do die at 90, that's fine. I just, I want to live until I'm 89.9 and then die at 90. I don't want to like die at 70 and keep living another 10 years and then really die. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's what, that's just what I don't want. Like when I'm alive, I want to be alive. I might be slow. I might not be, you know, I might be old, but I want to be aware and conscious. Mm -hmm. I don't want to forget who I am and these things that happen to people and like this scared torment energy starts to take over people because they're losing their minds. And I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want to be conscious and aware to the best of my ability. And I still want to never forget what love and grace feels like until the day that I die and carry that energy into my death. So that's a good want. But what are you willing to sacrifice to get there? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think I've sacrificed a lot up until this point. You know, it's, it's sacrificing the physical world. Mm -hmm. The indulgences that we have access to. You know, I think it's a lot of sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice at that point. It's like a filtering. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I mean, I used to indulge in a lot of stuff that dudes, you know, love to do, you know, I used to party and get drunk and go to strip clubs and be a dude and like, 
you know, and talk about this and talk about that. And like, you know, it's just none of that stuff's a part of my life anymore. Um, and it's, it's, I just, I, I do feel we do reap what we sow, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred percent. And I just want to sow some good seeds. Mm-hmm. So in that sowing of good seeds, there is sacrifice, but I don't consider it sacrifice. That word's kind of like a, uh, kind of have, it almost has like an intense kind of fever bob to it. Yeah. So I like the word filtering. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess what I'm, I'm really trying to ask is like, um, like what level, what level of physical infirmity are you willing to accept for that mental clarity that you so desperately need? Oh, 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 I think that's, that is the most important thing is the mental clarity. That's one. And, yeah. and, and if you start to see that going, the mental uh, clarity. Yeah, and I thought yeah. I was notice that going. What, do you, what will you do at that point? I don't know. I mean, I don't really can do our, um, uh, all I can look at it. All I, all I can do is like look at it from a perspective now looking forward and I don't really li- I don't like live in the future at all but I don't think we are even aware like when that slip starts to happen exactly. like in that present time so all I can do is pre- pre- prepare the best for it mm-hmm. and just you know be as prepared as I can so if that slip does happen you know I'm sure I will slip but there's there are people that die very consciously mm-hmm. you know and I don't and maybe everything I'm saying is wrong or, or not, you know, really what life is. But I mean, I don't think it's a, let's just say everything I'm saying is completely like not true and it's all hogwash and like all this stuff. Well, I'm fine with that because it was, it's been, a. I mean, I'm, I'm happy and like, I'm living a really, I'm in a really good place Mm -hmm. and I look around and (laughs) a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. So, I don't care. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> you know? When that day comes, you'll you'll see what happens. Just see what happens. That's all. I mean, I'm, nothing's for sure. Nothing's for certain. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could live raw vegan my whole life, eat organic food, and end up like losing my mind at 50 years old and have high blood pressure and all this stuff. But um, do I think it's gonna happen? No, because. Maybe it could happen a little later. I don't know. I've had a really rough, you know, before I woke up, I was like 28. So I had 28 years of debauchery, delinquency, toxicity, spiritual negligence and ignorance and all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, just want to work. And that, I guess there's a good word for it. It's karma. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody pretty much knows that word anymore. You know, karma. So it's, karma is karma. You know, it's. Nothing you can do about it. It's going to come back. It's going to swing. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to I want to touch on back on your brother's suicide. Mm. Yeah, that's a good time to tie this in. Right. Um, yeah, I guess when that happened, I lost all desire for life. When did you find out? How did you find found, out? I found out. I got a call from my buddy. And, um, you know, he, he took his own life. He, he hung himself and, um, yeah, pretty much was, was gone at that point. Like I kind of glazed over, um, for that whole, like just separation from, yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't know if I, it sounds pretty harsh and I used to say this and like, I don't mean, it's just the truth, but like we had a really unique connection. We were really close, you know, like beyond anything I've ever felt with anybody anymore. Um, 
And um, it's definitely a past lives connection, 100%. Um, very cool energy. Like he would a lot oftentimes like we could read each other's minds and stuff like that. And like as kids, we didn't really understand what was going on, but like we were really synced in. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we were just we could build stuff together. Like you know, and like it's just really cool stuff used to just happen and manifest. And like we could just you know spend like a week like doing playing just doing nothing we were like grown men like 20 years old and we could just like go camping out in the woods and like we would just hang out and like connect in this space with nature and i never had that with anybody else really um so when that happened it i was i actually thought about suicide all the time not like necessarily that i wanted to do it but we had a relationship where like he would do something crazy and then I had to top it and then he had to top it. <laughs> so you see these two huge cigarette burns on my arms? Mm -hmm. We would put cigarettes out on each other, you know? We were like kind of crazy like that. Like, like, I don't know. We would do a lot of like self-destructive stuff together. So we did have an, a, that dark negative energy there that we would feed off each other. Um, and he did have a, he, you know, it was rough for him growing up too. Um, so these, like these cigarette burns and, 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 and stuff like that, you know, we had that there. So when he did suicide, I was just like, am I supposed to follow him? Like, am I supposed to go do this too? Like I battled with that for years. Cause it's, people don't realize how contagious suicide is. Yeah. You know, I was like, man, should I follow him? Like, does he want me to come with him? Like, what did I do for him to do this? Cause he called me right before he did it asking me pretty much for help and like he woke me up out of a dead sleep and like I didn't really pay it much attention and then I replayed that message like over and over and over and over and over and over again it's his way of asking for help he wanted me to come get him and I was like oh dude I'll just see you in the morning you know I had no idea you know you don't know until you, until you, you don't know you don't know you how know? important it is to pick up the phone at that time and be there at that time well he it's not that he was like come and get me no 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 but like but like on the call just like he he was saying goodbye mm -hmm. in, a, in his own way. He was like, I was like, I'll never forget it. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'm picking you up in the morning, right? And he's like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, well, I'm picking you up in the morning for work. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't know. You know, I might see you in the morning. So it was a really, it was, he was weird. Mm -hmm. And I didn't pick up on the weirdness. Because mm -hmm. he just like woke me up out of a dead sleep. And I was like, all right. I'm like, man, it's like, I was like, I'll, I mean, like, I don't, like, I couldn't really pick up with he was just calling me to like just to call you know I, I didn't pick up on that it wasn't there he mm -hmm. wasn't like dude i'm fucked up come get me i'm gonna kill myself like that wasn't there it never it was. was a dark weird thing when you listen to it again you know now that you know what happened you're like wow that was there mm -hmm. and um so i worked through all of that you know and um i've just come to realize and i actually had a really profound experience like three weeks ago in my meditation, one of my, one of the very profound experiences. Um, I'm in my meditation and he comes to me in meditation and I give him a hug and I say, dude, you made your decision. You know, I no longer carry any pain, suffering, none of it for you. It's not there in me anymore. You, it's yours. And then I realized I, then transitioned into like this state of love for him 
And that love is the signal that I send to him because the feelings that we feel, they're multidimensional. If you are, if people ever out there are wondering how they connect with those on the other side or that aren't here anymore, that have passed, it's through feeling. It's not through grieving. It's not through feeling pain for them or being sad. It's through the emotion that you're in on a daily basis and through thinking. And I showed him, I said, I release all, like, this is your decision, dude. Like, you made your choice. You're going to learn the lesson. And it wasn't, I thought about this conversation that I've had to have with him for a really long time. But I was never able to, like, really have it because it's a deep one. And it happened in a very deep state of my consciousness when I was in a very deep state of meditation. And he just came and I had this conversation. I gave him a hug and I, like, kissed him on the forehead. And I said, like, you know, I kind of released it. And that was just recently. I mean, this was ten over 10 years ago this happened. And um, all the work with ayahuasca, you know, all of that stuff, it's, it's only going to show me that we all have our choice and everything is perfect. It's okay. He did that. I'm like, it's cool. Like, you made your choice, bro. Like, it, you're going to be fine. Trust me. You're perfect, and I love you so much. And he's fine. He's going to be fine. Because we, we, we're never-ending beings. We're infinite. We're going to learn our lessons one time or another. And when I was battling with it, you know, then I was in the Marines. I'm like, oh, man, if I get a choice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run across the battlefield, and I'm going to just get shot, you know? Well, I mean, as Marines, we all just wanted to die. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all just nuts. We all just were so nuts. We all came back from Afghanistan alive, and we were depressed. Mad that you came Mad that we were alive. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, we would drink ourselves. We'd go get, like, five cases of beer, six bottles of whiskey, and be like, man, I can't believe we fucking made it back, man. Like, you know, he didn't make it back. He died, and, like, we're sitting here just drinking beer, you know. You know, boots are still got legs, and I'm like, we are just, like, so messed up in the head. You know, just living in that horrible, dark nature. And all we wanted to do was to go back, (laughs) you know, for a second round, for a second round, you know, so climbing out of that, man, it just was like, oh my gosh, crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy, crazy. People, you know, I do body work and I do life coaching and people are like, I'm depressed. I'm like, I understand your depression. They're like, I'm anxious. And I'm like, I understand anxious. I understand what these dark feelings are. And people are like, do you really know what being depressed means? I'm like, yes, I do. Like, you want to hear some stuff? Like, I'll tell you some stuff. (laughs) Buckle the fuck up. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) So it's like, and now I realize that the real way to transcend depression, anxiety, and all this stuff is just to completely elevate your consciousness. And I have to say, like, all these issues that people have, don't focus on the issues to heal. Don't focus on, you know, the trauma that you went through or the depression that you have or the anxiety that you have. Don't focus on any of it. Just focus on elevating your consciousness. And when you elevate your consciousness, you're going to be able to look at that issue and understanding will come to it. Albert Einstein said we cannot solve any, any problem from the same level of consciousness that created it. 
So we have a trauma in our life and we're going to go to a therapist every single week and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. But we're going back to our life doing the same freaking thing. We got to meditate. We got to eat better. We got to be in nature. Plant medicine is available to the world anymore. Go drink some. It's going to change your life for the better if you have a good person serving you the medicine. And um, read books that elevate your mind and consciousness. Research the ancient knowledge. Push past your own belief systems. Elevate your consciousness. It doesn't have to be trauma-focused. It doesn't have to have anything to do with what you're struggling with. Just pick a couple things and do them every single day that are good for you. No matter if you feel like doing them or not, you do them. And your vibration will change. If you punch in the same spot on a wall... There's no given time period, but one day you will punch through it, whether it's concrete or sand or a uh, drywall. drywall. <laughs> you just keep at it. And then eventually when the vibration changes and you, f and you feel a little better, you're going to feel a little better. And then you're going to be like, huh. Then you're going to be able to think about your issues. Like I didn't really start dissecting my issues until recently. Because I can think back on the dark stuff without it taking me back into the darkness. Because I'm in a state of being. And some days go by, because I'm a thinker, I'm a philosopher. I sit my butt on the couch and I'm like, oh man, here we go. And I'll dive into everything we're talking about now. And I really feel the pain all over again. And I realize even on deeper levels how messed up I was with Nikki and how messed up I was in the Marines and all the stuff I did. And I feel it a little bit and I like, I wallow in it and I understand a little bit more and I get a lesson out of it and I zip out of that thing and I just like pick myself back up and I get back on my grind and I go do something that's going to pick me back up into my consciousness. And I just learned a lesson from going down into the basement a little bit. I did a little bit I did a little bit of brooming, a little bit of cleaning. I don't live down there anymore, and I shot back up to the upstairs. And every now and then, I got to go down there. And I'm getting to the point now where I don't feel like I, I'm going to... I plan on getting to the point now where it's, I'm really going to shut the door and lock the key because it's cleaned. And I'm not going to say that there's not a whole other basement because I know that there is. I've tapped into that shit, too. And that's some really crazy stuff. But my basement, just in the 28 years of my existence, you know, I can get a good, really good handle on it in, in, in this life. And I know that some of my next steps in the evolution of who I am are going to involve myself climbing into those other basements. And I, I'm not, I, I don't know when that's going to happen, but, you know, I'm just, it's just, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. You know, just one step at a time, enjoy the present moment. This life isn't all about handling your stuff. It's also experiencing the beauty and the love. And once again, like I said in the beginning, it's a balance. So. <laughs> and now I think this is a good time because it's, uh, we've covered a lot of good ground and, um, you know, I think now we can move on to the next part. What do you think? Yeah. So that's. After I die, I want. After I die, I want. This is a good one. After I die, I want. I guess I can say I want to experience 
more of what I need to experience as a soul to make my way back to the eternal consciousness that which I came. And if that means I have to come back to this physical world to help uplift a little bit more, then so be it. But I want to do whatever the consciousness needs and to fulfill my duty and my purpose as the part of that eternal consciousness of that which I am. Because this can either be a circus or this can be a beautiful thing. And I don't know what my soul exactly has in store for me in the future. And once again, I just want to continue the progress that which I have made so far. Because it is progress. And I do, I am proud of myself. And I do hold myself high. And actually a whole thing about the present moment in which I am now, which is tied into this question, is standing up in what I am now. I, you know, I... For so long, I didn't really have a voice about some things, and I thought I was questioning myself a lot. You know, am I just kind of out there? I'm kind of like a loony, boony hippie, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, but no, I'm not. I'm very grounded in what I say now. I'm very grounded in what I am, and um, I can have a conversation, and, um, you know, even with the intellectual types that like to intellectualize anything, which I really don't intellectualize much. I'm, like I said, I speak more on a philosophic level. Um, so I kind of clash in that sense, but with the way that I program my life and I program my existence and the way that I'm programming my reality, I just want to continue this love consciousness and the grace that I have found into that next step. And as the Buddhists say, you know, like this is only, if we look at life as a day and you know, life's only a day or life is only a breath. It really is. You know, it's just a, a figment, a glimpse of some sort of figment of millisecond of finite time, that word man made by watches, that we can somehow correlate something passing that we call, you know, time. It's like this construct that means nothing in that space after death. And I'm going to prepare myself the best I can for that space. So I can exist in that space at the level of the highest vibration possible. Because it would have been very easy to continue on the path of self-destruction. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, so much easier, right? It's really pleasurable. I mean, I mean, it is when you're in it, you know, you're, it's just instant gratification after instant gratification, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, it's like chicks, you know, oh, you know, like, you know, you, you know, you know, not really don't need to get details for that, you know, or like getting wasted or going to this, do this crazy thing or the adrenaline, the rush, you know, all this stuff. Um, and that's really what the Marines was, was just a constant adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that you change, it's like, it's so much harder, right? It's like so much harder to walk a path that is different from that self-destruction. The change was difficult, but also at the same time, it's like, it's almost like I wasn't really deciding to change something. It's, I just knew, I just kept going in that, that crazy, um, like in order to get, I mean, being, first of all, becoming a Marine, it's not easy. You know, boot camp, you know, you went through it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not easy. It's, 
And then becoming an, an infantry marine, it's made boot camp look like a cakewalk. And then doing some of the stuff that we had to go through to get ready for Afghanistan made that look easy. Then Afghanistan was hard and coming back was hard. And then I just took that energy of that drive that I had and I put it into bettering myself. Yeah, that's I, your mission now. Yeah. But now I'm at the point of balance, I feel like. I've reached a point of balance. I'm not so hardcore about things. That, you know, I'm not like going hard at anything. It's just like I am what I am and I'm here and there's a blessing and a love that I have found and I'm going to live in that and I'm going to grow in it and I'm going to learn and I'm going to study life. And to get to where I'm at now, I kind of had to push a really heavy truck. And then once the truck gets moving, we have something in science we call inertia. Then you hop on the truck and it moves for you, you know? And once the truck's already moving, life, it, you just kind of steer the truck on the path. You know, then, then to kind of get even more philosophical, then you start to like find the, the finite changes in life and the manifestations that you can create to actually make the path that the truck's on at an angle. So it's actually going to start to tilt in your favor. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's when you really start to learn. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wonder, do you, when, when, what do you imagine for this physical world in the far future in 10,000 years, a hundred thousand years, man, people, me, you, whoever else is on this journey, we got our work cut out for us. Cause I don't think, I mean, we are at the point, this is the age where we either got to change or I really think that this planet is going to squirt us off like a bug. There's no way. I mean, physically we can't keep doing what we're doing. We take without the thought of taking we abuse everything and we think we are better than the bug that crawls on the ground in front of us and it's just not so. This this planet is way more powerful than we are and if we do not respect it and take care of it, it is going to get rid of us. I, I mean, I just know that. It's just like act of survival. If we, if we keep acting the way that we're acting, this planet will survive. Goodness gracious, one windstorm this planet wants to take us on could devastate. Hey, we'll be gone. You know, we got to change. We could work with this planet and grow. And, I, and the thing about technology is it's a double-edged sword. You know, nothing's good or bad. Um, but we have the technology. I think we could, we could turn this planet around in like a year. There's, I mean, I just read online that we have the, we have the capabilities... Um, we have like this ocean cleanup project. <clears throat> we could clean the whole ocean up in like months with the technology that we have. And one country, I think it was Switzerland, burned all their trash at 99.9% .9 emissions coming out the top. They're out of trash. They're buying other countries' trash. So like we have technology. There's bugs out there that we have found that eat plastic. You know, the, we have the technology, we have the means, it's just the intent isn't there yet. And are you optimistic about it? 100%. You think we'll get that? Oh, yeah. 100%, man. Yeah. We're going to, yup, I think we're, this gets into a whole other level <laughs> of stuff, but essentially we were given a second chance.
and there's there's people that were sent here they're considered or they're called light workers you know and they're here to raise the vibration of the planet and nothing else matters to them and i consider man the people in my life and the people i surround myself and i one of them nothing else matters to me i don't care about stuff will i ever be tested on it Maybe will I be given a million dollars if I like if I promise to never help anybody again? Would I take it? I can't tell you that. Would I say right now? No, I wouldn't take it. I'm just saying, you know, nothing else matters to me, and I can't turn it off. And and I picked the path of helping people mainly with their lifestyle, their diets, their food. But you know, like I got into scuba diving, and I can't wait to help start. I feel like it's a blessing for me to be able to afford, have the space in my life, have the money to buy the gear, have all these blessings in my life to be able to scuba dive in the first place. So when I scuba dive now, I hope to be able to put into my life some scuba diving cleanup dives for the ocean. Because what way can I give back with what I've been given? You know, you came here to use my float tank and sauna today. I... You know, I try to keep this place like open just to whoever needs it, you know, to work on themselves and the space in their mind and grow like I did, you know, and it's what we're here to do is to change the old way of doing things because it's not working. We are the sickest people that have ever been. We are so sick. We are destructive creatures. We are ants that would eat the ledge out from which we are standing on. And yeah, there's powers to be that want this to happen and blah, blah, blah. And the energy in the earth and light and the dark and the balance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're here to change what used to be done. We're going to create a new world right here with a lion. I have a statue outside of my door. And it's, I did, did, did you see it? It's a lion laying next to a lamb. Mm-hmm. And that's the world that I am here to create. I think that's a great, great place to really kind of start wrapping this up. Because this is a this that was good, great. man. It was good for me to say all this stuff. I've never, I've never chronologically. I mean, I never really gone out there and said that kind of stuff. You know, like that. So. It's tough. You need some. You a lot of time. Even myself, I need somebody else to walk pull through. it out. Yeah, pull yeah. it out. Walk you through it because it's a, it's a whole challenge. And uh, I know that this is an imperfect story about of you. And um, I hope to check in in a couple of years. Maybe see. I think it's a perfect story. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's perfect. You know, my life's perfect. It's all perfect. It is. And I want to give you the last few minutes or moments to address the audience directly. Um, whoever's listening in the future, um, whether it is uh, in a couple months when I release it or whether it's in 10, 20, 30 years after you're gone. or That's you know, cool. This is always going to be there. Always going to be there. And this whoever, is, this so, is why I'm going to start one too. This is cool. Yeah, just like whoever's listening, uh, if they've you know they've gotten to the end of this conversation and really resonating with this message of that you're putting out there, um, the floor is yours. Cool. So... I call everyone my family because we are when we realize that we all are family and that everyone that we speak to and that we come across is just a different version of ourselves. We're going to come to an understanding that everyone that we meet, let's do our best to treat as as if we would want to be treated. And some of us, we don't want to be even treated well. And that's that's our own internal healing that has to happen. But for the main part, you know, we're family and we were sent here during this time 
the change. So I just encourage each and every one of you to change because it's what life is here, truly here. And when you do change, there's going to be, there's going to be like this light that lights up inside of you. You know, my YouTube channel is, you know, called find your light. And it's to find that light inside of you that, that turns on when you start to go against the system and the normality of things, figure out who you are. And if you truly want to show love to someone, your family, your children, your wife, your, your mom and dad, you will become love. Love is not something we show someone. It's something that we become. And then that vibration is, is bestowed to everyone around us. So if you truly want to show love, become it. And taking care of yourself is taking care of the entire world because it all starts with us. We cannot show anyone anything that we do not feel for ourselves. So I'll just say it again. Taking care of yourself is taking care of the world. Great stuff, brother. Thank you so much. This has been Mike Vasco, Vasquez on death.